Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, welcome to How Faith Moves. We are starting a new series today, and we're glad you're joining us. Thanks for being in church with us. I don't know if you sense uh, in, uh, in this atmosphere, even in your own life, that God is bringing us into a new place. Uh, that uh, we've, uh, of course, this new wide open expanse, just believing that uh, God has taken us to a new place. I wonder if there's just someone, you, or people here today, you just recognize, man, God is doing something new and different in my life. It is, I'm not in the place I, I once was. And uh, we often attach that to, I was in a bad place, but now I'm in a good place. No, I'm in a place I've never been before because I'm continuing to go from glory to glory into the greater things that God has for me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying today, are you in good or are you bad? It is bigger than that. The God that we have, we are either in Christ or we're not in Christ. But how many know who are, those who are in Christ are becoming more and more like Jesus, less and less like me, loving him more and more? Is there any who knows what I'm talking about today, that I'm dying to myself more and more and coming alive in Christ because I know this, I must decrease that he might increase. Is he increasing in your life this morning, anybody? I'm not trying to pep you up. This isn't, this isn't a pep rally. I just want to, I want to remind you, this is not a, well, I'm good, I'm not, I'm, you know, sometimes we, we look to God, well, I'm in a bad place, so I need God. No, I need God every day I wake up. I don't need God circumstantially. I don't need God circumstantially. We, we often attach our need to God based upon our circumstances. Throw circumstances out the window. I need God. I need his grace, his mercy, his goodness. In him I live, I breathe, and move, and have my being. I cannot move without God. I, I, I pray this morning that there just be something in our heart to say, God, I, I want even more of you. How Faith Moves is uh, this series that we're kicking off today. And uh, man, I just believe we're, we're in this new space. And uh, there's something that's just been in my spirit that whenever you go into a new place, there's some exciting things that are about it. I don't like to move. Anybody like to move? When I say move, I mean like pack the U-Haul, load up the boxes. And how many know that is like, uh, we, we will never, I told Jody, I said, we are never moving Again, I don't ever want to move. I, I don't like to move, but there is a benefit to moving. You know what it is? You declutter things. How many know what I'm talking about? That when you move, you get rid of the stuff you don't really need because all of a sudden you're in a value system and you've got this work to get to the new place and is this worth it? How many know in the process of moving, it's allowed you to evaluate what's really worth it? How many know in the moving, you've left some things behind? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You left the last people to deal with that. I, I went to a place to visit recently, and they said, and we'll leave this stuff here for you. I'm like, you're not doing me a favor. I mean, they were, they were, I was doing them a favor if I would say, yes, leave your old stuff behind. I, I mean, as if they're serving me well. No, they know it's not worth it to me. And what I hear the Lord saying is he's brought us to a new place, so don't clutter the new with the old. Spiritually, don't clutter the new with the old. Don't bring old furniture into new space. There's fresh carpet. There's fresh paint on the wall. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't bring the old stuff into the new place. Allow God to continue to make it new and allow that new thing, his new mercy, the things that he's doing in our lives to become fresh and new and greater because that's the God we serve, that he has greater and more for us in Jesus' name. 
All right. So how faith moves. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at what's it look like to live with faith? What's it look like to have faith right here in a place we call faith? How faith moves. And so uh, uh, what better place to start today than Hebrews chapter 11, otherwise known as the faith chapter. And uh, if, uh, if you knew we were talking about faith today, you're like, I bet it's Hebrews chapter 11 because that's the, the go-to. And we're going to begin there. And uh, I want to look at that t- today uh, as, we, as we launch this new series um, I thought about calling this faith moves, but it sounded too much like a dance, and I don't know how to dance, and that'd just be awkward, you know? Uh, so uh, we took that off and just added the how faith moves, uh, because I believe that God wants us to learn some new moves. Some of you like the dance moves. Don't worry, we're not going like, to have you get up, and, although we've thought about it. You know, we, we created this little dance, everybody get up, and, and uh, we didn't think long about it. That was a dumb idea, so it was one of those of like, that's stupid, check that off the list. Um, but God teaches us how to move new in the places you brought us. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm at a new stage in my, my life, a season in life. And how many know it's only, it's only a season? The, the season that I'm in, I'm not rushing there, but I know there's a season within the next couple years ahead of me that I'm gonna step into the season of being a grandfather. Now, some of you like, I did not make an announcement that is not anything. You know, that's like, you got to be careful what you say. I heard, there, there are other times I've said things, and, and word has gotten around, like Jody said, you know, things when people go to Jody say, oh, I heard, uh, I heard you're having a baby. No, never said that. That's not what we said. Uh, but I know I'm stepping into a new season because that past is behind me. But how many know, I'm, those of you that are grandparents, you know that you don't treat your grandkids the same way you treated your kids. Come on, tell the truth. And how many parents who have kids that made your parents' grandkids or grandparents, you know that's the truth. Uh, uh, we would, Jody and I go away. The kids were staying with mom and dad, mama and papa, they call them. And uh, we, one time, uh, they were little, of course, spending the, the weekend with mama and papa while we were traveling. Uh, we called to check on them. How are you guys doing? We're good. There's like loud noise and everything. And what are you guys doing? And they're bouncing on the bed, mama's bed, eating wings. I said, Mom, what is wrong with you? I mean, to think that she would let them, number one, bounce on the bed while eating saucy wings. How many know you have a way of just changing when you walk into new seasons? Here's what I'm gonna say today. God, help us to change as we walk into a new season. Don't take the old into the new. Man, I feel, I feel that that's a word for this, this house and this season. Don't take the old with you. He, this is new wine pouring into new wineskin. Don't expect a new wine and keep the same old structure. Come on, how many know I'm talking Bible right now? This is is Bible. Because I'm I'm more convinced we've learned how to do church traditionally more than biblically. We've learned how to do it traditionally. Now, you could say traditionally by the the old line, you know, the main line church, and we're just, you know, uh, uh, just with the liturgy, we rise, we stand. No, I mean traditionally, no matter what your tradition is, you learned how to do church traditionally more than biblically. Because you get comfortable in your biblical or in your traditional status, so you build your home with what you like. You build your home with what you like. If I were to walk into your home, your home is decorated according to your preferences. That's great when it's your home, but guess what? This faith isn't yours. It came from him, and he's given us faith that we walk. How many know that it's no longer my preferences? I want what he wants. Anybody get married and realize 
you got to leave the stuff in the garage because it doesn't work in the new place. You, you got my, my father-in-law, he's got uh, um, mounts and these, these deer heads that he's, he's collected and he's put them. And there is one room that they're allowed to be in. His, uh, his thought was one goes in the living room, one goes in the, this area, one goes up in the, and he's, but there's a place. Why? Because there is this understanding that it's no longer your preferences. That's why Paul said in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. And now the life that I I live in the flesh, I live by the faith. Somebody say faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm ready to walk into the new. Anybody else? Not like it's been. Not in the tradition. All right, so Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, why don't you stand with me as we look at this text today and uh, we're gonna dive into this, how faith moves. If you're ready to learn some new moves Let's look at this together. Here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith is the substance of what we hope for. Another translation would say it's our assurance of the things that we hope for. It's the evidence of the things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that, that what we now see did not come from anything that, we can, that can be seen. Here's the essence of this. God knows how to make something out of nothing. God did not have materials to work with. He created something out of nothing. You know what he had to work with? His word. It was set in motion by his word. How many know his word is creative? His word sets things in motion. And so it says here that by faith we believe this. We believe that God created it. The things that we see, he made them out of things that cannot be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. His he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Father, I pray today, give us faith. Lord, I thank you that you've already given us the faith. Now, God, I pray that we would activate the faith that you've given that we would move into the places that you have for us. God, thank you that, there, that you brought us to a great expanse, an uninterrupted flow of your presence and of your promise. Now, God, I pray, give us, give us wisdom, give us ability, help us, oh God, by faith, to step in to what you've given us today and to leave the old behind. We pray this in Jesus' name. If that's your, de your desire today, would you say amen? amen? And on your way to being seated, ask your neighbor, got faith? Ask them if they've got faith. Ask them if they've got faith. Here's the reply to that question, got faith. The response to that question is you don't have to tell me because I'll know by the way you live. You don't have to tell me because I'll know by your life. I'll know whether or not you're under the influence. How many know it becomes obvious to other people around you when you are under the influence? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I want to talk today just from this title, Under the Influence. Are you under the influence of faith? We are all influenced under the influence of something. It's what drives, what motivates, what moves us. You are moved by an influence. Are we under the influence of faith? You'll recognize and know when someone is under the influence because it affects the way they walk and the way they talk. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? When you get under the influence, you start to talk a little different. You walk a little different. You've got some differences about you. I want you to know it's the same way in faith. That when you're under the influence of faith, you begin to talk different. You begin to walk different. There becomes a distinction about us when we move in faith, when we operate in faith and and understanding what it is that God has for us, this promise. It affects how we move. The writer of Hebrews gives us a description, and I believe even a prescription. I don't know that we can call this a definition because in all reality, how do you describe faith? It's the same way as love. Well, what's the definition of love? God God is love. How, how do you define when the Bible says God is love? How do you give definition? The, the, the inability of definitions or, or what we do in definitions is to put it in a way that completely makes sense to us. But how many know faith does not make sense to us? Faith doesn't make sense. Love doesn't make sense. It's something that you cannot put in, in, in compulsion or be able to put in, in comprehension or know what exactly it is that you've got to trust and it operates in this way. Here's what faith in essence, faith is confident trust in God. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we walking in confident trust in God? Is our life or are our lives being lived in a confident trust in God? Are we moving in confident trust To have confident trust is to have strong belief in who he is, what he's done, and what he promises to do. To have strong conviction and belief in what God has called and what God has spoken, what God has set in motion. Uh, Here's the context from the writer that he gives of of the context as he's talking about faith. Because you're, you're under the influence of something, and I pray that we are under the influence of faith, that we live by faith, not by our circumstances. But we live by faith. We, we get stuck sometimes because we call faith into action to be those things that are not as though they were. Now, that's good. That's scripture. But that doesn't mean that faith means you can just ask God for whatever you want and you're going to get exactly what you've asked for. That is not faith. But oftentimes we limit faith to my ability to understand. And therefore, if God does not do it the way I thought he should do it, which is connected to circumstances, then my faith begins to wean or change or is affected because God did not do as I thought. That's a dangerous place. That's circumstantial faith. It's not just believing that God can change circumstances. It's believing that God is no matter what the circumstance It's believing that God is, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what says or looks or comes about, this is the context. And and how many know if if we're gonna if we ever needed faith, we better need we better have faith today. That we need faith. We're we're seeing what's what's going on in, in the world around us, things that are that are taking place. We need to live by faith. It's the the perspective of which we need to see. The context of the writer of Hebrews, he's giving this perspective and what he's talking about. And and some people uh, say that it was Paul who wrote Hebrews. We don't really know. I like to say it's Paul, but honestly, it's not really known who wrote Hebrews. But we do know that he was well-versed in Jewish culture, in the worship, and the practice of, of Jewish religion. This individual knew it so well that his target audience were Jewish believers. 
Jewish Christians. They were believers in Christ. And so these Hebrews, uh, that as they were referred to, he's speaking to them and he's telling them the significance of the sacrifice of Christ, of what Jesus did. His audience are some of those who are in the day who are trying to bring back sacrificial worship to the temple. They're trying to bring back the animal sacrifice of old. And here the writer is saying to them, the work that has been done through Jesus is so significant, don't go backwards. What is it? That, and this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to reinstate animal sacrifice. That's why in chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, Christ died once and for all. And because he died once and for all, he was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And because he's perfect, how many know you don't need another one because the perfect one already came? And so they wanted the sacrifice to come back where they would have an animal to just reprieve in moments. I want you to connect this. This is how we treat God today. We want God in the animal sacrifice style, and that means when I've got a problem, do something for me. We want circumstantial God that is an over and over again sacrifice and we're not living in the fullness of the faith of God that the once and for all who gave himself that we can live in the abundance and the fullness of what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. Because what we do with the old when it's over and over again, it's called a faith roller coaster. Anybody ever been on that ride? I love roller coasters, but not this one. You know the faith roller coaster? Like, I'm up here with God. I'm down here with God. Pastor Mike spoke a bit last week. And by the way, did Pastor Mike not do a great job bringing the word last week? What a, what a great, great word is he, is he shared. We, we get good at living in the high and it living in the low. We, we ride the roller coaster. And this is connected because it's circumstantial. We oftentimes, and this is the difference, that we live by faith and not by sight. But they're looking at, okay, we need something else because we're not, we're not sure we know that we have the assurance. And so let's bring back what we had and let's sacrifice an animal whenever we, we, we need repentance. We need something. Let's have our feel good. Let's do what we've done. Let's bring back the sacrifice. And he is saying to them, no, you're in a new place. Don't bring old stuff with you in the new place. Don't bring the old furniture into the new place. That was symbolic. It was a place in time. It was a moment, but that day is done. I'm bringing you into a new place. In chapter 10, he talks about the significance of the sacrifice. In verse 23, he gives us these words. He says, so therefore, because we have a sacrifice that is once and for all, and once and for all means that Jesus being the perfect lamb of God, there's no other sacrifice needed. He says, now for that reason, let us hold tightly, verse 23 of Hebrews 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many believe we're even closer now to the day of the return of the Lord? He says, especially, hey, you've got to act these things. I want you to see the, 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 just the, the words of action that are associated with this, of movement. He, he's saying to them that especially since the day of his return is near, he's saying, hold tightly. He's saying that we're supposed to encourage or motivate one another. We're, we're supposed to have acts of kindness. We're supposed to be meeting together. Can I give you just a perspective here? Some of these action words are indicators of the faith that's alive in you. 
How do you know if faith is alive in you? Are you holding on? Are you motivating others? Are you operating acts of kindness? And are you meeting together with the body of Christ? Something like, ah, I go to church whenever I feel like it. See how it works. Then your faith is not at a level of value. You valued other things more than your faith. Did somebody say, ouch? <laughs> I think I heard somebody say, ouch. <laughs> I apologize for telling the truth. No, I don't. I never. Can we just be honest? That these are just some indicators. If we don't hold tightly, then it says our faith. We let go of faith to hold on to something else. But how many know if I value faith, I'm going to hold on to faith? We motivate other people in the motivation. The influence that I have on other people is encouraging them in their faith. If I'm around people and their faith is not growing in Jesus, it says something about me. If there's not an influence, now listen, I can't take responsibility of someone's actions, but if there's not a transfer of information and of recognition that people ought to know, not by my arrogance, not by my, 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 my prune or my, my forcefulness or anything I do in myself, but people ought to know just in personality and in presence. How many know when somebody walks in the room, you can get a quick read on who they are? And do we carry faith? Do we carry, are, are we motivating others? Are there acts of kindness, the love of God that's flowing in our heart? Don't tell me you're a Christian if you don't have the fruits of the Spirit. How, okay, you are what and you do what? No, the way you act and the way you talk will show what you're under the influence of. And meeting together, meeting together that this becomes indicators of the value of our faith. How valuable is your faith? How valuable is it that we, that we grow? These are indicators, these words that, that speak to action. He ends chapter 10 by saying, I'm setting this up because we're, we just started in verse 11 that says what faith is. But here's why he's setting it up. He's setting it up because you're gonna have perseverance. You're gonna have to go through difficult places. He's saying in there the patient endurance. You're gonna go through stuff, especially since the nearing of the Lord's coming. He's making a point that the closer we get to Jesus, the more the more. This, the more uh, discouragement or, or the more distraction that the enemy's going to bring on the earth. How I many know we live in a day of distractions? It's all around us. And they pile up now. Before it used to be decades apart. How I many now they're just weeks and years and moments. They're just right behind each other. We are nearing the return of Jesus Christ. Let that not be fear. Let that cause faith to rise up that says, I know who my God is. Not according to circumstances, but according to his promise and according to his word. He ends chapter 10 by saying, we are not like those who turn away from God or turn away from our faith or shrink back. That word shrink back means to go backwards. And he's saying to some, don't go backwards. Don't go back to your old ways, your old things. Don't, don't go back. How do we do that? By living by faith. How do we keep being, moving forward? What, what causes that to happen? It's caused by living by faith. I'm gonna give you these things real quick because uh, I wanna give us some time in prayer here. So give me the next 15 minutes and we're gonna wrap this up. Put a time frame on it. Now you really put yourself in a pickle. But here we go. Here, here's some things I want you to see of faith that the effects of living under the influence of faith. Number one, faith initiates movement. If it's not faith or if it is faith, and it's not in motion, then you can't call it faith. 
if it is not, faith without works is dead. There has to be something initiated. There's, there's movement. There's something that, that happens. If it's faith, it's in motion, and the motion creates momentum, and the momentum turns into a movement. There's, there's movements that start. There's something deep and conviction. My, my dad, by faith, started a movement in my family, and the movement was this. We were people headed to a next generation of alcoholics, but he had Jesus come into his life. He said yes to Jesus, and a new movement began. How many know what I'm talking about? A new movement was set in motion. There was something new that was set in motion by faith. Not my dad's good works, not anything he did, but the faith of God initiated a work in him that caused change and transformation. It changed the culture. If the culture's not healthy, it needs a movement. If the culture is not healthy, it needs a movement. And movements aren't easy to initiate. The Boston Tea Party was a movement. Civil rights was a movement. The Great Awakenings were movements. These were movements that were birthed by great conviction. There were things of value and conviction. And because that conviction was so deep, a movement began. I want to ask you today, how healthy is the culture of your life? What is the culture? What is the culture? I was just talking to... to to uh, John this morning, and, and John, as we were talking, he said, uh, you know, there's some things I can't change, and he used the words, he says, well, it is what it is, what it is. and he said, wait, I know you don't like that. I said, wait, John, that fits there. <laughs> when you can't change it, it is what it is. But how many know just because your dad's a pervert doesn't mean you need to be? Just because your dad cheated on your mom doesn't mean you need to. Just because your dad was an alcoholic doesn't, change the culture. Change the culture. Well, how do you change a culture? There needs to be faith, and if you have faith, then it will change the culture. If you have faith that doesn't change the way you act, the way you talk, then you might not have faith. You have a something that is pretending. You have an offshoot. You have an off-brand. You're drinking Fago and not the real Coca-Cola. Don't serve me Fago, please. Sam's choice is not any better. Give me the real thing. Right? What, what, what is it that, that, we're, that we're allowing that if it doesn't change or move, that there needs to be a culture that shifts, that, that we allow a culture that becomes healthy, that we do not have a form of faith or a traditional faith, but we have an active, life-giving, life-transforming faith. Hebrews eleven twelve says, Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. In the days of old, the, the people of the days of old, through their faith, what's it saying? Their faith gave them a good reputation. Another word for reputation is testimony. It means their report. The report of their life. You know you got a, rec- a report card in school? How many know that report card indicated the progress you were making? It was a report of what you were doing. He, he's saying here that faith will give you a good report. What's the report or the testimony of our lives? I, I hope, uh, I, I grew up in, in church in the day that we would have testimony night. Anybody know, remember those days? You'd have testimony night. And uh, uh, it was dangerous if you let go of the microphone sometimes. That would get uh, a, little, uh, a little dangerous. And uh, it was always, always interesting that the testimony was sp- supposed to declare how good God is, but it was usually a story of I'd like to tell you how good I was. Okay, just sometimes, not saying all the time. <laughs> just want you to know what I did for God this week. And uh, just want you to know what I, you know, it's supposed to be glory to God, what God did and how God performed and what God does. And unto God, what is your testimony? 
What is your testimony? What is it that you would say that you're able and and identify? And here's what I want to ask you. A, A testimony speaks to what God is actively doing in your life. Let me ask you today, what is God actively doing in your life? If if you can't identify what God is actively doing in your life, then your testimony is not giving a good report. You got to have a testimony. All right, here's my testimony. My testimony, of course, I I go all the way back and tell the testimony of how I got saved, absolutely. But how many know God kept working in my life even from the moment I got saved? How many know what I'm talking about? If the only testimony I got is the day I met Jesus, oh, that's a big one. But if that's the only one I've got, can I tell you the testimony? Here's the testimony. The testimony that I have is that in a moment of things that are unknown and things out of control, that there is a peace and a rest in my spirit that is only from the presence of God. I can't even explain it. It's just I know God is faithful to his word. This is my testimony. What's your testimony? What's your testimony today? You're walking through something. You're, whatever it is you're walking through, what, what is the indication of what God is doing in your life? I would encourage you, some homework this week. What's your testimony? What is God doing? Yes, what has God done in my life? If if you can't think presently, then what has God done in my life? But in recognition that God's not done working, that he's still moving me into new places. Amen? He's teaching me new moves. I'm becoming changed and I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, they defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Who is him? The, the, the Antichrist, the, 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 the Satan, the uh, prince of the air. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb. How many know that's what Jesus did? And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Movements happen when we're willing to die to ourselves and be all in to say, God, I'm gonna trust you with everything I've got. I'm going to trust you, that my life is yours, and I'm trusting you. When we're under the influence, it initiates movement. Here's number two. Under the influence will cause faith. Uh, uh, under the influence of faith, it reveals our values. Faith reveals our values. We talked to this already, so let me just hit this quickly. There are people in Scripture, if you read through the, the book of, of our chapter 11, it talks about what happened, that what they did. Abel made a, a, a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. Enoch pleased God and he was taken away. He didn't die, but God gave him. I believe that's a picture of the rapture, that God is, is, is a, the picture of the, the rapture of the church, that God took Enoch away. It says of Noah, he built a boat in the desert. By faith, he built a boat in the desert. By faith, Abraham trusted God and left his home even though he had no idea where he was going. By faith, Sarah had a child even though she was well in her years years that she was she was she was old and all of this happened by faith here's my point that when you have faith it'll cause you to do some crazy things how many know when you're under the influence it'll cause you to do some crazy things i always want to i want to figure out how to qualify this because we always know how we're saying things like we want god to move but we don't want weird and sometimes i'm like well would you please define weird but can i tell you what weird is or what's not weird is that when everything we do is surrendered to jesus christ And the purpose of it all is so that Jesus gets the glory. When I am pursuing Jesus, now if we have to to allow ourselves to be honest, I want to speak to some of us that are new in our spiritual walk and this growth with Jesus. Maybe you're not new to religion, but you left the old religion and came into relationship. Anybody who left religion behind and came into relationship with Jesus Christ, I mean, know what I'm talking about. This just to have a life relationship with Jesus. I want to talk to some of us who are like me. We grew up, or maybe you didn't grow up, but you've been around the church and you've got some traditional things. And i got to be honest with you. 
There were stages in life that I thought I was running after Jesus, but I was just running after a good service. If I'm being honest, I wanted the emotional punch, the woo, that felt good. I wanted the hit and run. Just being honest. Now, am I saying the emotional? Absolutely, emotion. God created emotion. You've got to give way for that. But if all we have is emotion and it doesn't change the movement when we go from here. So what's the difference of weird? Or the difference of what's of God and what's weird is the, the intent and the focus of what I'm doing. If the focus is I want to be seen, if the focus is I really want to have a good service, can I tell you the presence of God knows how to move in quiet places too? Some of you might think this is weird, like no way, but I was in a Presbyterian service and I felt the presence of God. I know some of you are like, no way. They didn't even clap one time. Well, because let's remind ourselves, we like our preferences and be careful that we don't put God in the boat of our preferences, but it's in pursuit of him. Now, here's what happens. When I'm in pursuit of him, guess what? He might cause this boy who doesn't know how to dance to start dancing. Now, that'll be a miracle. Some of you are like, I want to see it. <laughs> I don't, if it's God, by all means. But I'm not moving after signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow me. I'm pursuing the presence of God. I'm pursuing, the, that's the pursuit, Okay. Uh, worship team, come and, and uh, help us uh, close here. Here's, uh, it reveals values. Things will happen uh, when we identify our values. Um, faith is tested on the scales of value. Your response is directed by what you value. Here's, here's the, the truth of it. When temptation comes, how many know when you're tempted, you're, you are making decisions on the scale of value? The moment you're tempted you now have to make a decision of what is more valuable to me, okay? And in that moment, I'm making decisions on what is my value at that moment. My hope is that faith is the most valuable, that my faith in Christ is the most valued. Jesus pointed this out with his disciples at different times when he addresses them, and he says things like, um, they had no faith. He doesn't say they had no faith, but he says of them, they had little faith. Let me just highlight a couple of these. In Matthew chapter six, uh, he's saying to those uh, that, that he's speaking to, he says, isn't life more valuable than your food and more valuable than clothing? He says, um, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown away tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? He's saying that why is your faith little? Because you're valuing the, the things of life. Do you really value life? Well, if you value life, you won't value what you wear and what you eat. You'll value the one who gives life. So it, it's a value thing. He, he says in Matthew 8, uh, he's speaking, and uh, the, the disciples are on the boat. The storm comes. They're afraid. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, he rebuked the wind, and suddenly there was a calm. He's, he's saying to them, they, there's a value. Do you value his word, that his word above the circumstances, that his word, his word said, let's go to the other side. And if his word said, let's go to the other side, there's no circumstance that can hinder the word of God. How many believe that this morning, that no circumstance can deter the word of God from happening in your life? 
Do you believe the word of God? And there's the, there becomes, a, it's a value thing. What is, where do I put my value? Where do I put my trust? He says in Matthew 16, uh, it's a, uh, he's talking to Peter, um, who is, or Matthew 14, he's talking to Peter who says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out. Jesus says, come out. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and grabbed him because it, here Peter is in a place that he is sinking. And so he says, Lord, save me. And he says to Peter, why do you have such little faith? What is he saying to him? You value security, but you you can't be secure in what you can control. You can only be secure if you keep your eyes on me. You want security. You value security. But don't let security be what you can control. How many of you ever have come to the realization that you really have no control? The only control you have in life is how you, is how you respond to circumstances. Outside of that, you have no control. And we're stuck with circumstances because we usually become more sensitive to God moving in our lives because we've had a moment that things are out of control. Can I just bring you to reality? It was always out of your control. It was never in your control. You just became aware of how little control you had. So then you want the circumstantial, Jesus come into my life because I have no control. No, Jesus come into my life because you are my control, my security, my help. Everything is in you. You have this help. Do you value his presence? He's asking, do you value life? Do you value his word? Do you value his presence, that he's your security? And do you value that he's enough for you? They're, they're, there's a, the last one in Matthew 16. They're arguing about not having bread. Here's why. Because Jesus says, beware of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the yeast that they have. They'll, they'll come and, and they'll taint what God wants to do in your life. And Jesus said yeast. They're like, oh, bread. And they're like, oh, wait, we forgot the bread. All the while, they just left Jesus feeding 5,000. The one who said, go feed them and made bread multiply. The bread maker is in the boat with them. They're like, oh, we have no bread. What Jesus is saying to them, he's saying, you want provision and you want things that are met. Where's your faith? That I'm the God who can create something out of nothing. I am the provider. You of little faith. Can I say to you today, little faith does not mean to have no faith or the size of your faith. It speaks to the mindset because it's a matter of poverty. How many know that there's a mindset that says, I don't have any money? When the reality is, that's not true. You do have money. You say, well, it's only two pennies. How many know? That's money. Now, it's not the quantity that you want in that moment. And so according to you, in comparison to your circumstances, you say, I don't have money. But you've missed it because that's your mindset. And your mindset needs to change because your mindset is not what I have or don't have. And this is even what Jesus said, be aware of the Pharisees because they're going to try and take what you have. But do you realize, what were they arguing at that moment? They were arguing about what they didn't have. They were arguing about what they didn't have and Jesus was saying, be careful that they don't take what you do have. Wow, what a whole different perspective. 
How many times am I overwhelmed by what I don't have when in reality, Jesus never said, be careful about what you don't have. He said, be careful that you don't lose what you do have. Because if you honor God with what you have, despise not small beginnings. Because faith the size of a mustard, man, I feel the spirit of the Lord. Faith the size of a mustard seed can say to this mountain, be moved. It's not how much faith you have. It's that you activate the faith. You say, I've only got two pennies. Well, put your two pennies in the offering and watch the one who will speak favor and blessing over your life. Quit looking at what you don't have and look to what you do have because faith in the one who does miracles. Is that just me or somebody else feel that this morning? I Settle down. Settle down. And how many know our world is looking at what we don't have? What we don't have. Oh, you know what we do have? Faith reveals value. Here's what I value. I value the life giver. I value his word, I value his presence, and I value his ability to provide. But my faith is in, is there anybody else? Your faith is in Jesus. Come on, why don't you stand with me? We need to close. Here's the last one. Faith makes the impossible possible. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many know the reverse of that then is with faith, it is possible, right? So without faith, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. But with faith, you can please God. Why is that significant? Because the only way I can come into the presence of God is that he's made it possible. I was born a sinner. I was born separated from God. But Jesus. But Jesus came and gave himself for us that we might have life. This, this, this idea of having substance, faith is substance or it's confidence, it means to stand under. It's where we get the word understanding. Here's the understanding. Here's what I need to understand. And this is what I just have to mark. This is what in my life, forgive me, but I call it the, uh, the oh crap handle. Some of you are like, I can't believe you just said that. Get over yourself. <laughs> How many know in the car when things start sitting out of control, you hold on to that handle? And, Wave your hand if I just offended you. No, I'm just kidding. Wave your hand if I just, I mean, wave your hand, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's that handle. My kids were driving, I'm like, or learning to drive, but like, the handle is right about there. It's what I hold on to. Here's what I've learned to hold on to, because how many know there's things in life that get out of control? There's things that don't make sense. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if anyone comes to him, he must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Can I tell you, in life's moments, when it feels like it gets out of control, you know what I grab on and take hold of? He is God and he is good. He exists and he's a rewarder. He is God and he is good. I've taken some turns and I've been like, oh God, what is this? But I hold on to the handle and I hold tightly. You are God and you are good. Yeah, but I've lost a loved one. He's still God and he's still good. I've been at a place that's difficult. He's still God and he's still good. If you allow faith to work in your life, watch what God can do when you hold on to this truth that he's God and he is good. This is what I understand. Anybody else have an understanding? You say, but they're bombing Ukraine. He is God and he is good. Does that mean we're okay with it? Absolutely not. Does it mean we don't, we don't, we don't support refugee? Absolutely. We do all that we can, but in all things, we know it's out of our control, but we hold on. He is God and he is good. This faith. How do you develop understanding? 
Here's the thing, because understanding, when you understand that he's God and he's good, you can please God. That's faith. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you're married, how many found out sometimes your spouse is hard to understand? I say to my wife, I said, you want me to buy you flowers? No, I don't want any flowers. Wait a minute, does that really mean she doesn't want flowers? It doesn't mean, no, no. What's the code there, okay? But you know what I've learned? I understand her, you know why? Because I listen to what she says. And every time I hear her talk, I recognize her value. I recognize what's important to her. She made a comment, you know, talking about... This summer, or last summer, I don't know how many, uh, talking to Janet, you know, Janet goes kayaking, and Jody says, that'd be fun, you know, I'd like to do that, and we're having to, she said it a couple times, and so it wasn't like this hint, it was just in different places, oh, that'd be fun, that'd be nice, so this Christmas, I bought her a kayak, you know what, she was happy, she was pleased with me, was my desire to please her, absolutely, but what was my means, because of value, and I listen to a word. The Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you gain understanding that you might hold on to truth? The word of God. Because the more of the word of God you put inside of you, it will develop faith. Here's the point. What has your ear tuned into? What have you taught your ear to tune into? What have you taught your ear? Is it negative? You've learned and, and developed the ear of complaining? Come, I know you can do that. I was talking to someone yesterday, and uh, uh, they don't even attend church. They live out of the area. You know, it's sometimes like you say you're talking to people like, wait, who is that? Literally someone out of the area. And it took like just five minutes of conversation like, whoo, I can't be around this talk too long because everything is complaining. Everything's a problem. Everything, you know what's wrong with the church? You know what's wrong with the, you know what's wrong? Gee, I got out of there. I'm like, Lord, I need to turn on worship because I need to cleanse my ears. But if I let that stuff set in, well, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe, huh, how about that? Maybe there are a lot. No, my faith is in Jesus Christ. Have you tuned an ear? How many say to God, God, give me an ear to hear what your spirit is saying, that I would hear what your spirit, and as your spirit speaks, that we would move in the direction. So Holy Spirit, let us become more aware. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you're here in this moment and, and you would acknowledge this, you say, God, I want an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. If that's you, just lift your hand before the Lord right now. God, I want an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. God, give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. God, I want ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Oh God, oh God, give me discernment. God, I pray that Lord faith would rise up, that Lord it would be your words and Lord I would move upon faith, set into motion because your word says so. Lord, according to your word, let it be done in Jesus' name. According to your word, let it be done in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need to surrender to Jesus, you've been trying to do life on your own, you've been going in your own way, and today you know today is the day of salvation. If that's you, then right now the Spirit of God is drawing you. I want you to leave your seat and I want you to come to this altar right now because the Spirit of God is here. Jesus is here to meet you. You say, today I need to surrender. I've been walking in my own path. If that's you today, we're going to sing this song. Let us become more aware of your presence. And you say, I need to surrender to Jesus Christ. I need need to put my faith in him and act of surrender. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to come as they lead us just in this song quickly today. Lord, I pray God develop our ears that we would hear what your spirit is saying. Come.